How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. Ah, yes. How we doing? And welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. I am your host, Dr. Rob, and as always, I'm excited and happy to be with you once again, my friend. Thanks for letting me share your cell phone or your computer, however you receive this podcast. Just know that I appreciate it, and I am forever grateful that you take the time to listen to me. Before we get started on our topic, I just have a couple of uh, quick announcements I need to make. Today's topic is intimate partner violence is everywhere. And boy, do I have a podcast for you today. But just before I get into the topic, I just wanted to announce that I am hosting a Zoom call starting this Friday, beginning February 25th, 2022, from 9 to 10.30 p.m. for all those interested. And this is about dealing with intimate partner violence in a way to find healthy relationships where you can find that that real person, that true person for you. And the name of the the, the, the topic for the Zoom call is Are You Relationship Ready? So hopefully you will join me on Friday. I'll be able to see you on the Zoom. The meeting ID is 839-6256-7446. The passcode is... Seven six three two three five. I'll repeat that. Meeting ID eight three nine six two five six seven four four six. The passcode is seven six three two three five. Coming starting this Friday, February twenty fifth, from nine to ten thirty p.m. Learn how to become. Relationship ready to avoid intimate partner violence. And so with that said, let me just give you a gentle reminder to right now, press that follow or subscribe button so that you can receive the latest content from this podcast whenever I drop my new episodes. And with that said, 
Let's get into the podcast. My hope is that this will be a two-part podcast as I will um, have a guest on next week. That's that's my hope. And as long as uh, her schedule uh, provides, she should be here with us. So, without further ado, let's get into the topic. Intimate partner violence is everywhere. Now, just for the record, intimate partner violence is the is the new term for what we previously called domestic violence. And so what do I mean by that, that intimate partner violence is everywhere? First of all, I was married to an abusive woman uh, who from time to time would punch on me and I would stop her from hitting on me by wrapping my arms around her to stop her from assaulting me. Now, I was taught by my mother not to hit girls because of the harm a man could do to a woman if he got physical with her. And the reason why I was taught that by my mother because I had an older sister who, you know, from From time to time, we would have, you know, some scraps, as brothers and sisters do. And um, when she would hit on me, I would hit her back. And my mother would tell me then, Bobby, you're not supposed to hit girls. You could really hurt them. So from that point on, I've been getting my butt kicked ever since by women. (laughs) Okay? So... Um, back to my experience with the ex-wife. And so during, well, actually, yeah, more so during my marriage, um, I mean, I saw the signs that, um, you know, I might be entering into what would not be a good marriage before I got married, but I ignored those signs and didn't pay attention to them. And then at the same time, I never had any idea how bad things would be or how bad things could get. And things were bad with her both emotionally and physically, sometimes with physical abuse, but most of the time with emotional abuse. I mean, there were times we would... um, come home, maybe we, um, it seemed like we may have had a nice time, you know, out to dinner or doing something recreational. And then by the time we would arrive at home, I would see that her expressions um, changed. And quite often I felt like, you know, something, did something happen that I caused to happen that would cause you or cause her to, you know, now be unhappy or angry because she really looked she really looked angry and there would be times that often I'd be like well did I do anything wrong let me know so I could apologize because I don't like to be in the house you know with my wife girlfriend or anybody and you know there's uh, tension and turbulence in the house so I was often looking to find a resolution to whatever seemed to be eating at her. But her responses used to be, 
just leave me alone. This is how I want to be. And I used to say, like, you want to be unhappy? I'm trying to find out if I did something wrong so I could apologize. And she would often say, just leave me alone. This is how I want to be. And so after a while, I began to realize that it wasn't me. I mean, how many times do I need to ask you, did I do anything wrong? And then you never give me an answer and tell me that I did. So I I got a little smarter and I figured out that this is not me. This is her. And I need to stop checking on her in this way and just redirect my focus since she's not communicating about something she led me to believe I may have done, but I figured it out. And then there were times that she would get physical. I mean, one time she assaulted me and I stopped her once again by wrapping my arms around her. And then she told me that she was going to call the police. And at this point, we're we're living in New Jersey. And I was not concerned about the fact that she said that she was going to call the police because, you know, there was no blood on the furniture or floor. Nothing was broken. So I really, you know, had no concern. And I didn't know what she would tell the police when they came. But it turns out that when she called the police, they did arrive and they came upstairs to the room and they started talking to me. You know, at that time I was in my pajamas because it was still in the morning. And the police said to me, "Uh, Robert, Uh, You need to get dressed so we can go down to the station and talk. And I'm like, well, why would I be going down to the station and talk? Well, they said, you know, your wife said, well, at this point, she's my ex-wife. So, and I, and I want to refer to her as the ex. Okay. And so at this point, the, the police said, well, your, your wife, your ex-wife, said that you punched her in the stomach when, in fact, I never hit her with my hands. And so I was shocked, and I explained to the police that, no, she assaulted me. And they asked me if I wanted to file a police report, but I had to say no because my daughter was there crying in the midst of all of this turbulence, and had I opted to file a police report, then I was concerned that my my daughter, my three-year-old daughter, would be put into the system while her parents were being detained by the police. So I had to take the L on that, and I did not file a police report. So I was arrested and detained in a, in a jail cell for a good part of the day. And so those are the type of experiences I had with my ex-wife now when i say intimate partner violence is everywhere this is what i'm talking about even i dr rob experienced intimate partner violence now my current wife when i met her she was in a a bad marriage an abusive marriage and in many ways that's probably what what drew us drew us together When we met at work, she was married and I was married, although I was already out out of the house. I had left, you know, and moved on. I was not yet divorced, but that 
that part of the um, marriage was was in the works. So, um, you know, when I met my my current wife, she was in a bad relationship. You know, her husband was an infidel, and he was getting this physically abusive with her as well. So now what what really inspired me to do this podcast on the subject today that intimate partner violence is everywhere was a discussion I had with my brother last week. And so but just before I do that I think it's also important to to mention I just wanted to make a brief, another brief announcement in that I want to say that this podcast, this message on intimate partner violence would also include anyone on the LGBTQ spectrum. If you are gay, if you are on the LGBTQ spectrum, based on the research and knowledge that I have, intimate partner violence is rampant in the gay community as well. And, it, you know, it sounds funny when you say gay, you know, the gay community, you would think that sounds like a happy thing. You would think that that was kind of, um, you know, Disney World, like like gay people don't experience intimate partner violence. But that could not be further from the truth. And so, as I was saying, um, this podcast today was inspired by a discussion I had last week with with my brother. And he was telling me about, um, he has five daughters. And the two youngest daughters are in relationships with the fathers of their children. And they both have been physically abused. I mean, kicked, beaten, choked by these boyfriends. And here these young ladies, they are in their early 20s experiencing this kind of trauma and physical abuse from their boyfriends. And last week in particular, my brother was telling me about his daughter who is the second, she's old, he has, <clears throat> excuse me, he has two daughters, two sets of daughters from two different um, women. And so the daughters that I'm talking about are the, the, the youngest one has been physically abused by her boyfriend and then the one that's older than her is the one who was the subject last week. And he was just telling me that um, his daughter has told him how afraid she is of her boyfriend, how, you know, he has beat on her and choked her and, and, and kicked her. And these are their intimate partners. And at this point, she was complaining to her father that she is afraid of him. And if she is afraid, she would be right in her fear and in her feelings because many times when intimate partner violence is that is that intense, that can result and has resulted in tragedies and fatalities 
And so this, of course, was a great concern of mine, and I wanted to do a podcast on the topic of intimate partner violence and just the idea that it's everywhere. When I say intimate partner violence is everywhere, I've already explained that I've been a victim of intimate partner violence. My current wife has been a victim. My nieces are victims. And I am sure that if you have not been a victim, that you know somebody, either a friend or family member, who has been a victim of intimate partner violence. And so that's what I mean when I say intimate partner is. I'm sorry, yes, intimate partner violence is everywhere. And so I'm going to step aside to let a promo in. And when we return after the break, we'll continue on the subject of intimate partner violence is everywhere. Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services, the place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. We provide management training and consulting services for all businesses in the areas of employee relations, unionized employees, progressive discipline, the annual review process, and emotional intelligence to develop effective leaders for your organization. And our relationship counseling services for individuals, couples, groups show you how to become relationship ready with improved self-esteem, resilience, and self-awareness. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner Jr. by email at changeagentrtg at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B. Yes, indeed. Welcome back. And as we are on one of my toppest top topics, did you get that? This is one of my toppest top topics. Intimate partner violence is everywhere. Check out these stats. One in four women are physically abused. One in ten men are physically abused. I, in fact, was one of them. There's probably much, many more men physically abused by their female intimate partner however you know as men men are not going to come forward about that but you see there is no shame to my game Uh, I'm out of the closet with it I in fact used to call the police on my ex-wife you know because she it was it was that bad as a matter of fact I used to call her brother and tell him what she was doing before I maybe lost it and I didn't want to clobber her so I was reaching out for help and and her oldest brother used to tell me Rob call the police call the police and then when the police would come to the house after I called them they would come They would go to her to see what her complaint was about me. And then I would have to tell the police, no, I'm the one who called you for her. And they'd be like, oh, so you see, I'm out the closet. 
and there is no shame to my game. So one in ten men, I would be willing to bet that that stat is probably deflated because of the underreporting by men uh, uh, regarding their victimization by um, their women. And so listen to this. 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner during the course of a year. This equates to more than 10 million women and men. I told you that the the stats on men are more than likely are underreported. More than 10 million women a year are physically assaulted. That is insane. You feel me on that? I mean, like, really, what are your thoughts on intimate partner violence? Does that help you understand that intimate partner violence is everywhere. And I am already talking to my nine-year-old daughter in the best childlike way regarding this adult topic that in many ways starts uh, in, in the teenage years for young girls and in some cases young boys where they are there are some st- statistics on on that too as it relates to intimate partner violence in high school and on college campuses of all places college campuses so but as I was saying, I'm already talking to my nine-year-old daughter because she's very cute. And I don't say that because she's my daughter. That's just a fact. And I can see she's she's probably going to develop into a, you know, pretty attractive young lady, which, of course, will attract the boys. And I'm trying to make her aware of what she should be aware of when it comes to boys and when boys start coming her way. You see, because for me as a parent, I do not want any of my three children, two of which are daughters, to fall victim to intimate partner violence. Especially since I am a relationship change agent, that would not make sense that I am well versed in what it takes to find good, healthy, positive relationships, and then my own children would fall victim to intimate partner violence. I am adamantly, adamantly opposed to that. I cannot express my feelings on that. I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm not lost for words. But I mean business. I do not want my children involved in in intimate partner violence. And it's easy to get into and hard to get out of. So, you know, we should know and understand that relationships are supposed to be good. But unfortunately, the idea of a nice boy meeting a nice girl 
that I, that could not be further from the truth. I mean, it, it happens sometimes. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not a pessimistic type of individual. I'm just talking about the idea of a nice girl, meaning a nice boy. That, you know, that's what I thought as a young man. And coming up, you know, I was attracted, and I've mentioned this before on, on other podcasts. I was always attracted to the nice, slender, you know, girls with the pretty faces and the long hair and all of that. And what I found is many of these young ladies were angry or sad or they always seemed to have some issues that I didn't understand. I guess I was too young to understand what their emotional deficits were at the time. But what I found is all of the pretty girls that I was attracted to turned out to be pretty ugly because they all, uh, not all of them, but most of them just seemed to have, have issues that I did not understand. And it, in many cases, led to us being involved in dysfunctional relationships. You know, no communication, uh, shutting down. It's like, it's like, it's like, what is this? When we talk about toxicity, this is what I'm talking about, and I'm going to address that in a few minutes. Now, um, again, this whole idea. With a, a nice girl meets a nice boy or vice versa. I just want to say that I say that, you know, with some caution, because I also know and believe that there are nice folks out there with good levels of emotional well-being. However, I also believe a lot more people out there who are not walking around with the proper levels of emotional well-being, well-being, I should say, that makes them good for relationships. You see, for instance, check out the stats on divorce regarding marriage. The divorce rate is 40% the first time, 64% after your second marriage and 74% after your third marriage, which means that the more we get married, the worse it gets. And you know, in America, we have a saying that practice makes perfect. However, it does not seem that, Practice in marriage, in other words, the more you get married, the more practice you have in getting married, it does not make marriage better. In fact, it makes marriage worse. And that would be either because we're marrying the same kind of people that we divorced from the first and second time, or we, or you may be the problem. In the marriage. And so if we don't make any changes and, and take a look at ourselves, then we get married once and divorce. We get married twice and divorce. We get married a third time and divorce. That tells me as a licensed 
therapist, and this is really the theory that I am working on currently. I'm going to, my goal is to make relationship readiness a thing. And we're going to talk more about that too, because see, as a licensed social worker or therapist, it is my belief that we as humans are not ready for for relationships. Now that's, I don't say that as a bad thing, I say that to to try to raise awareness regarding the significance of what I'm saying. When I say that we as human human beings are not ready for relationships, that's not my opinion. I say that I've already provided you with the statistics on divorce, the the statistics on intimate partner violence with those type of statistics for divorce and intimate partner violence. Does it sound like we as human beings are really ready for relationships? I mean, some people are, everybody is not walking around with emotional deficits, but the fact of the matter is that many of us are. And so I believe that, We have to become what I call relationship ready. And again, I do not say that to say that we or you are bad people. That's not what I am saying at all. You know that the message here at Station B.O.B. is always a positive learning teaching message. That's not what we are saying here. No, what I am saying is that do to some people's emotional deficits like lack of trust, jealousy, feeling insecure. Some of us are not emotionally fit to be in relationships with others. Now, now, what do I mean when I say some of us have emotional deficits? Well, I will answer that question on the other side of the break. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show. Okay, welcome back. So just before the break, I was talking about 
emotional deficits. And I wanted to answer the question, what do I mean when I say some of us have emotional deficits? Well, emotional deficits are low self-esteem, which can lead to feelings of lack of trust, feeling insecure, being jealous, and no sense of a positive self-image of yourself. And so these are emotional deficits because, see, if, if, if we had a sufficient amount of self-esteem and confidence and self-love, then feelings of lack of trust and feeling insecure and being jealous, then we would not have those type of emotions. And so emotional deficits say that we're lacking in those areas, the areas of good self-esteem, self-love, self-confidence. And so um, when you, I mean, it, you think about this. Do you think you can have a good foundation in a relationship if you don't trust anybody, if you don't trust your intimate partner, if you are jealous, you know, if they, you know, can your intimate partner have male friends outside of you? Can your uh, female, um, can your, you know what I'm trying to say, can your male friends have uh, can your male friends have female friends outside of your relationship? Can your female intimate partner have friends outside of the relationship with you? Um, can you be comfortable with that? Are you okay with that? And if you, and I'm not saying that you have to be, but the point is that if you are jealous and you don't trust, you feel insecure, you're angry. Those are not good emotions to bring into a relationship. They just don't give you the proper foundation to enter a relationship. In, you know, bringing your emotional deficits. And so, let me ask you. Do you think you can have a a healthy relationship lacking trust, being jealous, and feelings of insecurity? I would say the answer is a resounding no. What do you say? The fact is, and this this is a reality, I realize this, when I was in my first marriage because I was seeing that my ex-wife did not feel good about herself. And I don't say this to bash her, to put her down. She's not here to defend herself, but I'm going to ask you to trust me and believe me. There's no reason for me to tell you or say what I'm saying. If it wasn't, if it didn't happen, if it wasn't the truth, Because you see, the fact is, what I learned from that experience, and this is a fact in any relationship, if, if you, yes, if you do not feel good about you, then your male or female partner will not, like in other words, if you don't feel good about you, you will not be able to feel good about me. 
if you do not love you, how are you going to love me? Hence, emotional deficits and not being ready for a relationship. These emotional deficits, among other facts, contribute to intimate partner violence. Now, based on my research and experience and understanding of relationships, relationships that are based on good emotional well-being, which means those who have good levels of self-esteem, self-awareness, resilience, you know, the ability to let go and forgive, just to mention a few, those are the type of um, emotional qualities, if you will, that you should bring into, um, or that you, not that you should, that you have to bring into a relationship. Because you see, anybody can get into a relationship, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about healthy relationships, healthy relationships that are void of intimate partner violence. And I'm telling you, this is real. People like Abraham Maslow, you know, he had theories. His theory was about the hierarchy of needs, meaning that you as an individual had to meet certain benchmarks in order to feel whole so that you can be a whole person. And he didn't talk about relationships. In those days, they were just talking about individuals how what we needed as individuals to 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 feel whole to be a more of a complete person emotionally you know eric erickson his theory were was the eight stages of human development and all of these stages included you know things like having good self-esteem as a result of being properly nurtured and cared for in the early stages of life. So with relationship readiness, with my, with my theory, I'm building on top of people like Abraham Maslow and uh, Eric Erickson and people who uh, developed a theory of object relations and the attachment theory. These these are real theories that pertain to our emotional well-being. And when we don't have the proper um, foundation emotionally, these the, the the lack of a proper emotional foundation lead to issues of intimate partner violence. And so um, it's important to, to learn how to weed out the people who may be, you know, aggressive or abusers, abusers of women or of men. You know, we get into relationships so easy and everybody has ideas about relationships, how to make them better. You know, people talk about what's your love language? Oh, yeah. How many children you want? Um, where do you see yourself in five years? What What is your vision of marriage? We talk to each other about relationships as if nobody's walking around with emotional deficits and you cannot ignore these things. You cannot ignore these things. This is real. And so I want to talk to you briefly about 
how to avoid abusive relationships with men or women. When you first meet or start dating, you have to ask questions about your date. You know, ask them about, you know, say, tell me about Robert, the little boy. Okay, because you want to know. Because see, for for us, there's a saying. There's a there's a a, a saying, in, in therapy, which says that our adult dysfunction stems from our childhood issues. And so, what I'm saying there is that for many of us, not everybody, but for many of us, our life begins. Our life issues begin. Usually at very young ages, you know, some of us experience abandonment. Some of us are adopted. Some of us don't know our fathers. Some of us get molested by family members or close family friends. Some of us don't receive the proper nurturing because, you know, um, you know, a parent or both parents may be, you know, abusing alcohol or abusing drugs. And so these things don't contribute to quality family lives. And these experiences happen to many of us at the early stages of our lives. Sometimes people die early and we cannot get over the loss of a parent, of a grandparent or whoever our primary caretaker is or was at that time. I mean, I'm evidence of that. My mother died suddenly when I was nine years old. I've said that enough on this podcast. But fortunately for for me, I had the proper, I guess, love and support and surrounding. And then I believe I had, you know, uh, an abundance of of resilience also that, that, you know, helped me to get through that trauma in a successful way. And so to avoid abusive relationships, you, you, you know, you have to talk about real things like tell me about Robert, the little boy. Tell me about Cindy or Sheila, the little girl. Cause as I said, that's where everything starts for, for many of us. And if you're, a uh, prospective mate or date is willing to talk about their childhood. You know, ask them, well, how was your relationship with your mother? How was your relationship with your father? Do you even know your father? You know, what kind of family did you come from? And if they, if they are willing to talk about that, then you are probably in a good place. If they are not willing to talk about that and they get angered by that or annoyed and ask, you know, well, why, why do you want to talk about that? Because you see, people who have issues don't want, many of us don't want to talk about our issues because it reminds us of a, of an unhappy time of a, of a, a time of trauma in our lives. So for many of us, it may be hard to talk about those subjects, but if they cannot or they will not talk about them, that's a good sign. That's a red flag. That's a time to say, Hmm, you know, you, you kind of cute, but I think, uh, you know, at this point, I may not just want to, you know, get too serious, you know. I want to keep it light. Understand that relationships are like driving. When you see a stop sign, you have to stop. 
When you see something that makes you yield, then yield. If you have to make a U-turn, make a U-turn. You see, we see on the road many times, caution ahead. When you see the signs, read the signs. If you don't read the signs, you're going to have an automobile accident, which, which is called intimate partner violence. So start talking early. About those good questions. Tell me about Sean, the little boy. Tell me about Cynthia, the little girl. And like I said, talking is free. And if a person is good with their past, they'll talk about anything that comes up. And if they're not good with their past, they'll struggle with that. They'll get angry about that. And that's a sign that you should pretty much Delete that phone number. Trust me. You need to read the signs. It's a person that's not willing to talk. Is not gonna if they're not gonna talk about you know their life then, they're not gonna talk about their life now. They're not gonna talk about where they've been last night. They're not gonna talk about the bills. They're not gonna talk about the issues that are causing problems in your relationship. And so, like I said before, on this podcast, plenty of times, some of our major life issues start in our childhood. And I told you about the, the, the theory or the saying that our adult dysfunction stems from our childhood, which many of us are walking around and coming into our adult relationships broken, fractured, Filled with void, unanswered questions, anger, sadness, all based on experiences of abuse, abandonment, loss, and so on and so forth. Intimate partner violence is everywhere. And you better act like you know. It is imperative to understand how these experiences can adversely impact our emotional well-being and lead to us feeling insecure, lacking trust, feeling broken. You see, many of us, we look good on the outside. You know, oh man, that brother's six feet tall, six six foot three. But some brothers are tall and that's all, you know. And then some girls, oh my gosh, she's so fine. But all she really has is a big butt. And the smile. Yeah, I said it. We look real good on the outside. But some of us feel real bad on the inside. And that is what leads to intimate partner violence and dysfunctional relationships. Therefore, it is imperative that we become more self-aware and understand how to prevent intimate partner violence in your life. And I say, and I cannot stress enough, that you must become relationship ready. And so you might ask, well, Dr. Rob, how do I become relationship ready? I think first... We have to acknowledge that we all have issues, and we all do. No matter some of, some of us more than others, 
But when you acknowledge that you have issues, then you can take steps to start to deal with your issues, to, to work towards resolving them. Some of them you can resolve yourself, and some of them you may not be able to resolve yourself. But that would be a good idea, a good time to seek professional intervention. Because professional intervention, this is professional intervention, what we're doing right now. And so don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Therapy is a good thing. And so, as I said, acknowledge that, you know, you have some issues so that you can face them and deal with them. Improve your self-esteem because, see, uh, a better you is a better you. And it improves your chances to to not tolerate people who are, are insecure and not trusting of you. That, that, that brings stress and tension to your relationships. But if you feel good because your self-esteem is good, then you would tend to have a, a lower tolerance for that type of behavior. See, what happened to me, I was always positive, but I didn't have, you know, enough self-esteem. I had what I thought was good self-esteem, but what happened is I did not execute on it. And at I think by the time I married my ex-wife, I was close to being 40 years old. And so I had been become accustomed to being in dysfunctional relationships. So there's a, there was a lot that went into that, but I did not make a good choice. So you have to improve your self-esteem, affirm yourself every day, understand that you are enough, learn to love yourself, learn to let go and forgive <clears throat> those, those past experiences of you know, regarding those people who may have trespassed against you because we have to, you know, not be angry and understand that whatever happened to us 20 years ago, as bad as it was, today is a new day. Learn to let go and forgive so you don't bring these issues into your new relationship. Why should your new mate have to suffer from what you experienced from your old mate or from your childhood? You understand? Are you feeling me? Are you, are you feeling me? And if, and if possible, if at all possible, it's important to learn some, something about your basic family tree. It's good to have an idea of where you come from. If nothing else, if you can go just as deep as, you know, who your grandparents were. You know, if you don't know your father, we have Ancestry.com now. You know, there's no excuse for not knowing who you are and where you come from. To have some better sense of self-identity speaks volumes to to filling voids and understanding who you are and where you come from. We need to be as whole as possible. Nobody is perfect. I understand. I get that. And I'm not talking about perfect people. I'm talking about becoming more emotionally fit. So one, you don't turn out to be an abuser. Or two, you don't turn out to be a victim of an abuser or of intimate partner violence. 
you know, as you become relationship ready, and hopefully you will tune in to the Zoom meeting that I'm having this Friday, and I'll repeat that information just in case you didn't hear it at the beginning of this podcast. The The Zoom topic is, are you relationship ready? And it's beginning every Friday, starting February 25th, 2022, from 9 p.m. to 10.30. I'll have a nice plan and podca- um, podcast and Zoom meeting for you to help you understand the significance of becoming relationship ready the zoom id is 8396256 the passcode is 763235 okay with that said we're getting close to wrapping up this podcast i've already explained to you i've given you some some brief tips or <clears throat> excuse me on how to become relationship ready And as we come to a close I just want to make sure That you improve your chances To find a healthy relationship Not only with others But also with yourself Because you see You have to feel good In order to be good to me If you don't love you You will not I repeat, if you don't love you, you will not be able to love me. Remember, relationships are supposed to be good. And to make that happen, you have to be good on the inside. And I have my my own saying that I have come up with, that most good things work best from the inside out. And that would include us as human beings. I, you know, I'm just trying to think for a minute if I had um, any more announcements. So that's what that pause was. Oh, yeah, I do have one announcement. One thing my my brother mentioned to me um, regarding his daughter that's in the midst of. Uh, being abused by her intimate partner is that you know he said that the this young man climbs over a security gate he picks her lock he finds ways to get into her apartment and that's partly why she is you know afraid for her life But the other point I wanted to mention is my brother also mentioned that he went to see this young man's family to 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 make them to tell them about what their son is doing to his daughter. And the family was in total disbelief because they told him. No, no, when we see them together, they come by here. Everything is fine. They they are doing well. Not breaking news. When somebody tells you that something is happening, especially as it relates to abuse, whether it's with a child or a relative or friends, believe it. Trust me, just because you see something different. But when people are coming to you with information that is happening to them or their child or their loved one, 
People don't have time to make up those kind of stories. I mean, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. But many times they don't. And so my brother is trying to tell the parents of this this abusive young man what their son is doing. And he said they didn't believe him. And so what does that mean? That this boy is going to continue to abuse my niece. And that's not good. And that is not good. And so as we come to a close on this top topic, or should I say my topics, one of my topics, top topics. Remember, as I said, that most good things work best from the inside out. And that would include us as human beings. And again, I want to thank you for sharing, sharing and spending time with me, letting me uh, uh, talk to you on your phone or your computer or however you get my podcast. You can get my podcast anywhere you get your other podcasts. And remember, I hope you this message was was informative. I hope that it helped in many ways. I'd love to see you on the Zoom call this coming Friday, February the 25th at 9 o'clock. Remember, love is an action, not a word, and it is not supposed to hurt. And so until the next time, thanks again for spending time with me. Make every day a good day and don't hurt nobody. I'll talk to you later. Peace. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.